Welcome to Troll Black TV's weekly podcast where we feature the world's most extreme athletes. This week we're featuring the amazing Steph Davis, who could very well be the only woman in the world that is free soloing without a rope, big walls, and base jumping off. Steph Davis, welcome to our show. I would like to start off by asking you, uh, what are your thoughts on the evolution of women in sports, most, most particularly in climbing and wingsuit flying? Um, well, I think we see a lot more women in those sports now. Uh, I guess when I started climbing, it was 25 years ago, and there were a lot less women in the sport. So that has changed a lot. And even with base jumping, I mean, I started relatively not that long ago, about eight years ago, and I have seen a big change. Um, since that time, there there's still less women I would say comparatively, but but um, I'm seeing more. Have you seen anyone that could be the the next Steph Davis? Um, well, I I do think that with climbing and with base jumping, they both take a lot of time to do those sports. Um, I know I kind of struggle with it as far as you know, climbing is really important to me, and I really like base jumping, and additionally, I also um, I'm very focused on wingsuit base jumping, which is, you know, almost like an entirely separate sport than non-wingsuit base jumping. And mm-hmm. I got to say it's hard. <laughs> um, it's hard to do all those things, um, you know, in the way that I want to do them. So it's, it is kind of a lifetime pursuit. I, I do think if I, if I wouldn't have been so focused on climbing only for so long before I started base jumping, it would be really difficult to try to then go and, and, you know, kind of get to that point with climbing. So, so it's just, it's, it's, I think that you don't see a lot of people kind of at a high level in, in many sports like this because they all take a lot of time, you know, yeah, you said I've heard you say that training is key. What one or two things do you currently do in your training that are the keys to your success, you think? For training? Mm-hmm. Well, um, let's see. For climbing, um, you know, obviously just being going climbing is real important because you just want to be in tune. But but I when I started climbing it you know, and I mean, similar to you, you're from, you know, the older generation, so you you know exactly what I'm talking about, which is that mm-hmm. climbing was like you just went climbing. <laughs> that was it. Like, yeah, exactly. And then when people got good, it was like, oh, my gosh, they're good at it. But now it's so scientific, and people are, you know, growing up in gyms and spending all their time in gyms, and there's, like, training cycles and coaches, and it's pretty phenomenal compared to, like, when we started climbing. So, it definitely took me a while to kind of even understand that part of climbing because that just wasn't what I came from. And um, I think probably in the last five years, I kind of noticed that you could train for climbing. <laughs> I thought maybe I should do it too. And um, it's amazing <laughs> the results you get from, you know, not, not that much. Because, again, in my mind, I mean, you know, I come from a time where it's like, you just spend your life climbing, so you're an old cap for like ever or you know whatever and and just to realize like how little actual time you need to spend on climbing focused training to get results is pretty cool so um so I've been doing hangboard workouts, I've been campusing 
Um, recently, I mean, I've had a climbing wall in my backyard for a long time, but I used to think that training meant I climbed on my wall. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, but now I've been doing these linked boulder problem training things where you um, you set some boulder problems and then you you never stop. You climb four in a row. And, and funny enough, they actually sell things for this, which, you know, again, this is like how out of the loop I was. <laughs> but, um, but they sell these um, special holds that are meant to be like little ladder holds. But they just look like a big climbing hold shaped like a giant loop. Mm-hmm. And um, so you put those on the sides of your wall. And so you always have this little root on each side of your climbing wall, like the, the ladder down climb, essentially. And so you set boulder problems where you top out on your wall and then you kind of hand traverse over to your ladder down climb holds and then you down mm-hmm. climb those and then you get back onto your next problem. So I actually reset my wall for this. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's super cool. I'm really, really enjoying it. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Like you can, I set problems like some are easier and some are harder. And then depending on how I'm feeling, you know, through the workout, I'll be like, I'm going to do four really hard problems on this one. Or in the beginning, I'll just do the, the easiest one four times. Or, you know, sometimes I'll start with an easy one, try a couple hard ones, and end with a medium one. Um, so it's really fun. There's, like, a lot of different ways you can do it. How much time do you devote to that? Well, again, you know, it's pretty efficient because I'll just go out to my wall, and I'm only going to do four rounds of this thing. So I basically do my four problems. I rest for two minutes. And I do that four times, so that's not that much time. And then when I'm done, if I'm feeling motivated, then I'll do some campusing. And, um, and you know, I don't campus that long. It's maybe, again, you, you, you do this thing and then you rest for two minutes. So realistically, the whole thing's no more than an hour if I'm not dilly-dallying. It sounds very similar to my workout. I, I tell people, oh, yeah? they say, how long do you train? And I say, you know, I know this is going to shock you all. I can do my workout in under an hour, and I leave the gym so nude. It's just unbelievable. It's, it's amazing yeah. how efficient you can be. Yeah, and I didn't used to have that perception. Like, in my mind, if I was going to be training, it was going to be, like, this really long, you know. So it's cool. And, and even, you know, I, I mentioned doing 10-minute hangboard workouts. I'll do that when I'm just busy or I can't get anything else done. And it's phenomenal how much, like, a 10-minute hangboard workout you you do see oh, the results amazing. compared to nothing. Yeah. Well, for a while I was lifting weights for many years. And then, um, and now I'm like, man, that was such a waste of time because it's always finger strength that stops me. Like, why mm-hmm. was I, I've, I've never fallen off because my big muscles were tired, you know? But, but I was like, oh, I'm training. I'll go to the gym and lift weights for three hours. <laughs> and I'm like, I spend 10 minutes on the hangboard and it's like better results. So. <laughs> <laughs> So true. So true. I mean, bulk does not do climbers any good whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. But it's cool, you know, it's cool that like the sport's progressing and and that the stuff's also available now and all the knowledge and, and just people's perception of, you know, what you should be able to do and it's cool. So how do you train your mind? Is there any particular technique or method you like to practice? Yeah, um I think and, you know, this is interesting because I, I will say that I feel people are very different and um, <laughs> people have very different personality types. So, you know, obviously what works for me is not the same for other people. And, and the reason I'm saying all this before I start into what I would want to talk about is that 
I know that very specific to me, um, and, you know, maybe some other people out there, I've always had, um, I would say if I'm on the scale of being underconfident versus overconfident, I would probably lean more towards the underconfident side. So for me, it's always been really important to um, feel like I I belong there if I'm going to do something that, that's scary or hard or difficult. Um, I'm not the kind of person that just shows up and is like, yeah, I got this, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And and a lot of people are. So so the comments I'm making probably wouldn't apply. Like if you're on the if you're the type of person that's just like, yeah, I can do it, then then my way isn't necessarily the correct way. But um, but I've always kind of felt like ah, you know, I have to feel like I belong there, like I'm I'm competent. Um, so for me, um, the mind state is generally doing stuff that makes me feel like. I'm prepared and I belong there and, and it is legitimate to think that I can do this thing I'm trying to do. So generally that does start with the physical training because I have to feel like, you know, as an objective observer, yes, it is possible I should be able to do this thing physically um, as opposed to kind of wondering about it. So it usually kind of starts with physical training and then and then that gives me a lot of confidence because when I'm kind of previewing what I'm trying to go ahead and do, if it's kind of a thing that I think is sort of out there for me, then I can say, hey, you know, let's sit back objectively. Let's analyze what you want to do, how you want to do it. And realistically, you are totally physically capable of doing this. Um, And that really helps me a lot. So when I get Mm -hmm. to the point where I'm in the moment of like, okay, you know, I'm going to go for it. It's not like I'm just showing up and being like, yeah, you know, there's a good chance I'll pull it off. (laughs) It's like I'm showing up and being like, hey, I'm totally prepared. I've done everything I could possibly do to be ready for this thing, and now I just need to keep it together. Right on. So when you're climbing, you're free soloing, are you like like almost in this meditative state where you're breathing a certain way, or what's going on for you? Yeah, yeah. So, like I say, you know, I show up and I feel like I'm 110% prepared. That's that's always the way I say it to myself. You get like, I'll, I'll go train. I'll train. And, you know, every time I go and and prepare on a day, I'll say, okay, you know, today I feel like I'm 80% ready to do it. And then one day I'll be like, you know what, I'm 100% ready to do that thing. I could do it right now. And then mm-hmm. I train more, and I'm like, okay, now I'm 110% ready. Like, it should be no problem for me. So when I show up, I'm thinking, I'm 110% ready. So all I have to do now is just stay relaxed and feel good because there's no doubt in my mind that I'm absolutely able to do this safely today. And so it is, you know, I'm breathing, I'm smiling, I'm just kind of saying, hey, you know, there's no question marks here. Just enjoy the experience. And um and you know, live it. You're you're in the moment. Yeah. What do you think's been your biggest challenge? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, biggest challenge. It's a really good question because I feel like there's a lot of challenges. <laughs> like, what is the biggest one? I don't know. There's so many. <laughs> um. Well, gosh. Um, probably the hardest to control challenge I would say would be outside forces and you know a lot of the stuff we or I guess everything I do is outside so the one thing you can't really control 
is the weather. And and that can make it hard because you can get really psyched up to do something and, and feel like you're totally prepared. And then, um, you know, you can get like a bad weather spell for a while and it can completely throw everything out because, you know, when you're like ready to do something physically and mentally and like mm-hmm. it's on and then you have to wait for five days, everything can change. Mm-hmm. So. So weather can be pretty tough. So how do you manage that? Um, well, I mean, obviously there's like always obsessively watching the weather forecast and like, you know, trying to plan for things in the seasons that are looking optimum and stuff. But I mean, at a certain point you got to be flexible because you, there's stuff you can't control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always said that, uh, we have no control of our environment around us. And that, that includes how people are responding, how the economy yeah. is and everything else. But we do have control yeah. of how we ourselves respond to that. Exactly. So what's the best advice that you've been given, you think? That I've been given? Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much what you just said, actually. Um, I think someone once said to me, a friend of mine, he said, it doesn't matter what happens, it just matters how you deal with it. And that's exactly what you just said. Because every day, something is coming your way. And we can either get depressed about it, get angry about it, or we can just be at peace with it. So mm-hmm. that's how I've been with it. Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah, I always, I mean, kind of a, you know, I think we all say the same things in different ways, like how it works for us. And what I always say nowadays is you can't choose what happens, but you can choose how you feel about it. And speaking of how you feel, how did you deal with Mario's death? How did that affect you? Well, you know, that's that's exactly why I do say that, um, because of living through that experience. And, um, and, you know, also just because of the way Mario lived. And he was, he was really a role model for me in his approach to life. Um, and... And um, that's that was something that I, you know, I realized that, that whole time after his death was that that um, it was up to me to figure out how to keep going and and then to find a way to have a happy life and and to um, basically keep living. So that that was kind of I think that was sort of the goal that I had to keep living. Me. Yeah, through the really difficult grief process. That had to have been hard. I, I can only imagine what that must have been like for you. Yeah, it was the worst thing, obviously, <laughs> that I've ever lived through. Did you have the same reaction when Dean died? Well, I mean, Mario was my husband and my best friend and my partner. Um, you know, Dean and I divorced many years ago. Well, I, I know you weren't expecting anything to happen to Mario, but were you expecting anything to happen to Dean? Did you did you see it coming? Um, you know, again, we 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 were separated for such a long time um, that we we just weren't really close at that point. So I didn't really have a lot of knowledge as to like you know what the things he was doing and how he was doing them. How will you know though when it's time to stop? That's a funny question too. I mean, I, I mean, I've been climbing over half my life. And, um, mm-hmm. it's not something I 
could imagine not doing. Is is there a point when you think that you'll just go enough's enough? I I can uh, cool it for a while. Hmm. I don't know, actually. Um, Because I feel like with climbing, I mean, I have friends who are seventy who are climbing really well, actually, (laughs) and are having a really good time, and um, and that's pretty neat. And then. You know, with wingsuit flying, I've got a friend who he's um actually he's almost seventy. He's a wingsuit base jumper and you know, honestly wingsuit flying is except for the part where you have to get up there, it's um it's a little less physically dependent than climbing. Like it's not taking finger strength. Um mm-hmm. it's a little more about being a pilot and um also about having experience. So I don't know. I mean it's So do you think it's less about numbers in terms of like just the law of numbers versus um, what you were talking about earlier, just really minimizing the risk that you're taking? Well, I mean, there's no secret magic recipe to not dying. So, <laughs> you know, That's it's true. not like, I mean, the bottom line is we are all going to die at some point doing something. So, and like you said, you don't know when that's going to be and you don't know what you're going to necessarily be doing. So, I don't know. It's, I mean, all the things you talked about, they're, they're all true and they don't necessarily all match each other at the same time. Mm -hmm. But again, that's kind of how life is, right? Have you ever had anything go drastically wrong? Um, in life? Well, I, I I can, (laughs) that could be a whole nother conversation, but, uh, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I meant free soloing or base jumping. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've had a couple little incidents free soloing that I wasn't really that happy about, but um, but I do try to leave really big margins for myself when I free solo, kind of because I know that can happen. Um, and with base jumping, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. I mean. The first the first year I started base jumping, I didn't really have great parachute skills yet, mm-hmm. so I crashed my parachute a couple times. Um, but you know, I learned and got better at that point. And then, you know, since that time, I've had a very different approach to base jumping. So I haven't had any super nasty surprises, luckily. How, how have you changed your approach? Um. Well, I got way better at flying parachutes. (laughs) Important. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I treat base jumping a lot like free soloing, which is um, I take it really seriously, and I always want to make sure there's a huge margin between what I think my you know highest ability is and and what is needed for the thing I'm going. Where's your prime driving force these days? I'm driving force. Um, well, I mean, for me, it's always been about, honestly, about the life. Um, so I guess what I really like nowadays is, is is I like feeling like I have some balance between the things I'm doing. And, and like I said, it's a bit of a struggle because for me, that balance means climbing as much as possible and as well as possible and training for it. <laughs> and then it also means, you know, having adventures that's important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and nowadays, adventure, adventures aren't just climbing adventures. They're also wingsuit-based adventures. 
Um, but you know, I also have a dog and a cat. <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. I I like to cook and you know clean my house and stuff. So it's like it's just this um, this balance, I guess, between the life part of life and the adventure part of life, and just trying to keep it all in the mix and and keep it all down. Is there anything coming up that we should be aware of? Um, in the next year, uh, well, I, I guess my big focus right now is um, I, I I tend to go through different phases with climbing as far as what's interesting me the most of the time. And, you know, for example, for a lot of years, I just wanted to go on expeditions and kind of went through, like, an aid climbing phase and alpine climbing phase and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so right now at the moment, I'm I'm really excited again about climbing hard cracks around Moab, which is where I live. And I've definitely, you know, done that at many different times in the past. But for the last few years, I've been traveling a lot and I've been kind of doing like, I would call it travel climbing where you're, Mm -hmm. you know, just going somewhere for one objective and come home and that sort of thing. So I'm kind of excited about projecting some harder stuff around Moab again. And for me, that's pretty cool because I really haven't done that for the last probably four years. That's super awesome. You got a sprinter van, didn't you, recently? Yeah, so I mean, there's definitely going to be some travel climbing going on still. <laughs> I know that's on my list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I'm hoping to be doing more of that too. My boyfriend Ian, um, he was a skydive tandem instructor for a while, but he's actually also a nurse, and he just started nursing at the hospital in Moab, and it's really changed his schedule because with skydiving, during the skydiving season, often it's like seven days a week of work. And so that was kind of making it hard for me to travel. But now with um, nursing, when he works night shifts, he'll get, you know, sometimes eight to 14 days off in a row. So that's going to really change um, the ability to go on. Do you have a saying or a model that you live by? Oh, gosh. Um, so many. But but um, I really like that saying, happiness is a journey, not a destination. Um and I like, I like the saying, everything has to balance. Mario always used to say that. And, you know, some of the everything, things Everything has to about, balance. Yeah. You know, kind of like realizing that if you're going to go for like the wildlife and just super wild experiences and just super amazing happiness, like, you know, it's going to balance. There's going to be hard times too. Mm-hmm. And what else? Um, different things at different times. That's something I think about a lot because I I advise a lot of people that if you really want to do something well, you need to focus. And then sometimes people say, well, I want to focus, but I'm doing this other thing and it's not letting me focus. And then I'm like, hey, that's okay. You know, different things at different times. Like it doesn't all have to happen at the same time. And for everything I've read, you come across like a real spiritual person. Do you believe in a higher power? That is a good question. Um, I, I've read a lot of Sufi poetry and that has always resonated with me a lot. And I've also read a lot about Zen Buddhism that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and so I, I think those are things that, that, um, I believe in, but it's always, it's just hard to know, you know? Um, Mm Like, for example, when Mario died, I really wanted to have this fixed belief. Like, I wanted to believe 
oh, you know, he's still there in this other place. And when I die, I'll be with him again. And, but I was like, I don't know that. I really don't know what happens. Um, I don't know if it's like that we're all sort of come from energy and that energy changes later, or I don't know if it's like you're here and then later you reappear exactly like you were here somewhere else. Like I, I, I really don't know. And, and that became really clear to me when he died. And I, I actually had to sit there and think, Oh my gosh, you know, like how, is there some way I can see him again? I just don't know. So, mm. so, you know, like I keep saying, I, there's a lot of things that make sense to me and, but, but I truly don't have the answers. Um, I guess none of us do. None of us do. Yeah. I've always thought that, uh, sometimes that deja vu experience that you, we all have at one time or another is, kind of a glimpse of a previous life or something. So I've it always wondered that. It could be. It really mm-hmm. could be. I I just don't know. You know, sometimes I think that, like, we turn into birds or... I mean, who knows? I just don't know. No no one knows. <laughs> that's yeah, just it. We, exactly. we all think we do or want to know. Yeah, yeah. And that's what makes it really hard. Well, what words of inspiration would you be willing to share with a triple black community? Um, I would say that I think, you know, we've been talking about paradox and how things don't necessarily have to make sense, but they can always be true at the same time. And one thing I've always really felt is that life is short, but it's also long. So, so, you know, you just have to live it and, um, go after the things that light you up and, um, you know, don't live in such a way that you're like, hey, I could be dead tomorrow, you know, kind of realize that you might be doing this stuff for a long time and kind of treat it in that light. But but always um, realize that, that it is finite and and you do want to go after the things that, that make you really happy and think about making other people happy and, and kind of um, when a good thing comes, you want to grab it. Well said, well said. Well, Steph, I can't thank you enough. You have truly been an inspiration to me, and I'm sure all of our listeners out there. And just talking to you makes me want to go climb a tar and cliff and base jump off. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, I, you you are an amazing inspiration, and I wish you all the happiness and all the best of luck. And I look forward to seeing you in the future doing exactly what you love doing. Thanks. You too. Well, thank you, and um, until next time, take care of yourself, okay? (laughs) You too. Bye-bye, Steph. Take care. Bye. Wow, that was an amazing conversation with Steph Davis. Here's a couple takeaways, William. Happiness is a journey, not a destination. Be careful of falling for the trap of being obsessed with your goals and not enjoying the moment. And here's another one. Life is short, but it's also long, so you have to live it. Go after the things that light you up, but don't live your life like you'd be dead tomorrow, because you might be doing this for a long, long time. (laughs) Trust me, I know what she's talking about. I never thought I'd live as long as I have, but here I am, talking to you. Until next week, my friends, this is Dan Goodman with Trouble Black TV, your entertainment source for extreme sports.